You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of Us. That's a classic right there. What does I Got Five want it mean? It's about drugs. It's not about drugs. It's a dope song. Don't do drugs. Get in rhythm. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Can't believe how big Dave got. You hear Gabe got a boat? <laughs> He's kidding, right? He's not kidding. Hey, I think it's vodka clock. Oh, yeah. Where's Jason? Jason? Jason! Where were you? I didn't know if you were lost. Stick with me, and I'll keep you safe. There's a family in our driveway. It's probably the neighbors. But y'all scared of a family? Hi, can I help you? Zora, put your shoes on. If you want to get crazy, we can get crazy. Exactly like us. They think like us. They know where we are. We need to move and keep moving. They won't stop until they kill us. Or we kill them. All right, everyone, you were just listening to the trailer for Us, and the story is as follows. Accompanied by her husband, son, and daughter, Adelaide Wilson returns to the beachfront home where she grew up as a child. Haunted by a traumatic experience from the past, Adelaide grows increasingly concerned that something bad is going to happen. Her worst fears soon become a reality when four masked strangers descend upon the house, forcing the Wilsons into a fight for survival. When the masks come off, the family is horrified to learn that each attacker takes the appearance of one of them. The film is starring Lupita Nyong'o, Winston Duke, Elizabeth Moss, Tim Heidecker, it is written and directed by Jordan Peele. Join me for this review. I have Deanne Knighton. Hi. Tom O'Brien. Hey, everybody. And Danilo Castro. How's it going? Oh, it's going pretty well because this movie, woof, did this movie give us a lot of content to chew on for this review. So much so that I'm going to just warn people right now. This is a spoiler-filled review. Normally, we review the movie, then we talk spoilers at the end. I think with us, I think we have to talk about spoilers. Otherwise, I don't know how we're going to talk about this movie. We'd probably just talk for five minutes and then just get to the spoiler section, and majority review would take place there anyway. So we're coming right out with it right now. All spoilers. If you have not seen the movie Us, I hate to say this, and normally I don't say this, but turn us off right now. (laughs) (laughs) 
So we are now in the spoiler zone for Jordan Peele's follow-up to Get Out. This movie, ooh, this movie, wow. Ambitious. Very much so. You know, and it's interesting, too, because he could have done anything after Get Out. He really had the keys to the kingdom. Yeah. I mean, he won a freaking Oscar for writing a, well, some people would say comedy, some people would say documentary, some people would say (laughs) horror film, but he won an Oscar for a genre film on his first try. Got nominated for Best Picture, Best Director. The guy was on top of the world, and he chose to do this. Why? Because the message, I think, from Jordan Peele to all of us is very, very clear. We are all completely fucked. <laughs> that's that's one way of looking at it. <laughs> well, and that's not a spoiler. But I'm very curious to know what you all think about the film. So actually, Deanne, we'll start off with you. What did you ultimately think of us? Yeah, this was so much fun. I I had a great time. I thought it was really entertaining. Um, First and foremost, I think it was an entertaining movie. And that's what I think is so great about Get Out as well. But then, of course, you have these added layers. I do feel like this played more like a horror film, even a little bit more so than Get Out did. Um, uh, But I definitely think that the horror elements were effective. Uh, And then, obviously, there's some deeper allegory that I think also underlines all of this that we can get into a little bit later that is really fascinating as well. I've kind of avoided going to the internet after seeing it. I've kind of just allowed, you know, kind of my thoughts to ruminate. And I'm curious now to have this conversation with all of you, because I'm sure you're going to say and bring up things that I haven't even thought about in terms of kind of what the movie's trying to say. So I'm excited to go through that with you. All right. All right. Danilo. So this one was a different experience than Get Out just because I didn't have many expectations going into Get Out. And with this one, I had lots of expectations, at least in terms of quality. And while I would say for the most part they were met, there were some things that made me, held me back that weren't necessarily there and get out. So I'm still kind of processing it. So we're probably going to work through some of that on this episode. But ultimately, I would say I enjoyed it, despite some of the flaws that I'm going to kind of bring up as we go on. And Tom. I just was so worried that Jordan Peele would have a sophomore slump. uh, Because Get Out was so good and so fresh and so original. And the fact that he went back to a variation of the genre that made Get Out so good, um, worried me a little bit. I think some people might have thought, well, he'll do a comedy next or something like that. But he didn't. He had the nerve to go back to where he was before and do a complete different take on it. And it's one of those films, I agree with Deanne. I, I mean, it's thoroughly entertaining when you watch it with certain exceptions. And and then when you get out of the theater, you begin to think about it. And it's like, oh, my God, there are so much. It's like peeling back the onion. It's so there's so much to this movie. So I'm anxious to talk about it. I'm going to start off by saying what we all probably were thinking when we all left the theater. And that is Jeremiah 1111. So, unless if you know your scripture by heart, (laughs) I'm sure this might have been probably the first thing that we all Googled. And the phrase says, Therefore, thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will bring evil upon them, which they shall not be able to escape. And though they shall cry unto me, I will not hearken unto them. So, oh man, where do I begin? I guess, ultimately... I'll start off very general, and then we can get maybe a little more specific, right? Is that is that fair? Yeah. Okay. So 
we'll we will refer to the people in red as uh, the tethered. Is that is that fair for yes. like rules yes. of the? Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll refer to them as the tethered. Uh, we will refer to uh, Adelaide's uh, the original Adelaide, the one who is revealed to be in red. The, the was the one in red the whole time. We'll, we'll refer to her as red. Okay, fair enough. And we will refer to Adelaide as Adelaide, and she's the the one that swapped with Red. Okay, are we getting? Am I, am I saying this correctly yes. <laughs> for the rules yes, here? I believe so. <laughs> okay, because it can get it can get very confusing, and I don't want us to get confused while discussing this because this movie <laughs> plays with your head. Uh, okay, so the reason why I said in the beginning of this review that I think Jordan Peele is basically trying to tell us all that we're completely, completely screwed is because we are our own worst enemy, right? And that anything that we have done to ourselves as a species all comes from us. Uh, We literally have committed genocide. We have killed our planet. We have done everything we can to just completely fuck ourselves over. And so many people turn towards other means for redemption, salvation, and answer to all this pain and suffering that we cause onto each other. And this Bible phrase, Jeremiah 11, 11, basically says, nah, <laughs> I'm not going to <laughs> respond to you because uh, you guys have done this to yourselves and you have to just deal with it. And I find that to be very, very interesting here because I don't know specifically what the message is pointing towards. If it's pointing towards, uh, maybe it's pointing towards like literally every single problem that we have within this country, within the world. Uh, But ultimately, I think what Peel is saying is that we look towards any and all other factors to blame for all of our problems, our pain, our misery, when really the answer is we're, we're the ones to blame. It's us. And this movie is about looking inward and going deeper and deeper and peeling back layers to come to that realization. Yeah, that's really interesting because, you know, I actually didn't quite go that big with kind of what I felt like the movie was saying, but I think my interpretation plays very similar to what you just said. The way that I kind of, the way I kind of got out of the whole thing, and we are talking spoilers, so I'm free to say this, I think, um, is that, you know, ultimately the tethered kind of represents, I think, marginalization of different people in the country yeah. and, and um, people who are kept down because of status or class or, um, or kept down by privilege. And then I think the film is saying at the end, when you kind of have this person who comes from this supposed quote unquote dark, dark world, who's able to become a normal functioning part of, uh, you know, American society just because of, uh, you know, nature versus nurture. She's She gets to live it and grow up in it and able to, you know, be kind of a normal, well-functioning human being. Um, I, I, that, that was kind of the big takeaway I took from the message. But I think that obviously speaks to large world problems and, and how they are our own, just like you were saying. So... Yeah, no, I think that's a great interpretation and also one that I also think is extremely valid as well. I mean, the film opens up with the text that says about the uh, the tunnels underneath uh, the country and how there's miles and miles and miles of them uh, used for different purposes, whether it's abandoned subways or whatever it might be. And we don't even know that they ultimately exist. And throughout the whole movie, I was trying to uh, wonder, you know, what what is he getting at with that opening phrase? Like, what is he trying to say? And what he's 
to to what you're saying, Deanne, about there's this like underground society of people that have just been kept down, and we we ignore it basically. Like it's right. there, right. we know it's there, but mm-hmm. we don't like we don't see it. We don't we don't think about it, you know, and we are just completely oblivious to it, you know, and like in the worst possible way. Right. And there is a reckoning coming for that. I think also, and I believe Red's character says that at one point, which is uh, the people above ground, so to speak, uh, take things for granted. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a little bit of an emphasis yep. on that when we see some of the families, maybe uh, some of the upper class families, maybe being a little dissatisfied or, or taking a lot of the materialistic kind of lifestyles for granted. So I think that's a little bit in there, too, uh, just that it's specifically mentioned in the script. And, and what was scary for me was the, the loss of personal identity among the people above ground. It's like, oh, my God. There, the, uh, the fact that the, there is a darker side to us and becomes manifested, and you have to face it, you look at it face to face, is, I think, to me, for at least, was a primal fear. And that's... That, what disturbed me in a good way, uh, walking out of the theater, that we do really have to look within ourselves and the dark side of ourselves, even in everyday conversations alike, that we cannot let this dark side of ourselves out or else there will be hell to pay. I love this. I love this conversation that we're having right now. I love that we have a horror film that, like The Shining, I'll use that as one example, has so many layers and so many meanings of interpretation attributed to it that I feel like years from now, we will be watching YouTube video essays and things like that of people pointing out other hidden clues within us that will reveal other interpretations. And like, this is a movie that, you know, I almost wanted to watch it a second time before we hopped on to this podcast. And I, I, this was like the worst possible movie for me to forget my pen to write notes for because I wasn't <laughs> able to write any notes down. Uh, so I'm trying to do all this off of memory and after only one viewing. So I don't feel like I am fully prepared necessarily for this review. But hey, I'm glad that we, you know, all have something different that we're bringing to the conversation. And that's, I think, the beauty about what Jordan Peele has done here. With Get Out, he had uh, a lot of interviews where he answered a lot of questions about the meanings and interpretations behind uh, the film. And he has said he's not going to do that this time around for us. And I love that. I love that this movie has, for every single character, every single thing in this movie that we would say is, oh, that's very weird. That's odd. Why do they talk like that? Et cetera, et cetera. There's probably some sort of hidden meaning behind it. You know, yeah. look at look, look at like I'll, I'll just point out one thing really quick here. Look at like um, uh, the fact that she's wearing the thriller shirt in the beginning of the of the movie, the Michael Jackson thriller. Mm-hmm. And there's one point in the movie. I, I, I swear I could have sworn this at some point where Red does the moonwalk. <laughs> it it mm-hmm. did appear so. And she like, she like walked backwards. And I was like, I, yeah, I, she was stunted as an eight-year-old like even with the once upon a time and all of that as well um but um yeah so i one other thought i had that i'm curious what you guys think and if if i'm up in the night on this but something that came across to me obviously you have the title us you have us 
you have Hands Across America, which is a very American event that took place in 1986 to try and, you know, bring the country together. You have the fact that at one point Lupita Nyong'o talks about leaving and going to Mexico and in retrospect kind of knowing that um, who she is, that it, it does make me wonder if there is, you know, the, the idea of, of all of these things that are happening in the U.S. at this time, if it really is an American problem and not happening in other parts of the country or excuse me, the world. Um, that was some, a takeaway I had. I wonder if you think. That- oh, no. Yeah. Yeah, I, agree. I, f- I definitely agree. Yeah. What I, what I really appreciated was him flipping uh, what above ground hands across America seemingly to be a good thing and then turning the same gesture uh, from the tethered into a threatening thing. Right. It's that flip that is so so good. And, it was and creepy, yeah. The, yeah, the one time that, I mean, I, I do remember one line that Red says at one point, she says, we're Americans. Mm-hmm. And oh, like, yeah, I forgot about that. Yes. Wow. Yeah, I definitely think that's a piece of it for sure. So, so this is definitely a more... I, I would still say there is a universal message there that can apply to other people outside of America, but I, I totally understand the focus of it being, you know, for America, which is totally fine. I mean, Jordan Peele's from America, so it makes sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but the other thing, too, that I was also trying to figure out while watching this, just from a symbolism standpoint, was why red? Why the golden scissors? Is it just because it looked cool or because there was something else going on there did anybody else have a theory um i i feel like um with i, I don't know about the red jumpsuits with the scissors i don't know if you know the way scissors obviously are where there's two halves i wonder if there's a metaphor there oh nice yeah 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 and um, I'm, I'm and i was really struck by his use of red not just in the jumpsuits but he even sets it up in the pre-credit sequence uh with the the young adelaide when she's wearing, where she's carrying a blood red uh, caramel apple, and all of a sudden, red is introduced very strongly into into the film, and it's like this is not the last we're going to see of this, and uh, it, it 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 just became a motif throughout, and I was really impressed with how he visually uh, communicated what he wanted to get to. I also thought their red outfits resembled uh, jumpsuits or like a. Uh not jumpsuits, like uh, prison suits, yep. yep. which I'm sure was not accidental. I started getting sl- like Slipknot vibes. No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, that's that's good, uh, Danilo. I like that a lot because they have been living underground uh, in a, a, a prison, to your point. Mm-hmm. I really like that, actually. That's a, great, that's a good way of looking at it. But the significance of the color red definitely has meaning. Uh, that's something that, once again, another viewing might help to uh, reveal in terms of what it could possibly mean. I do wonder if it has something to do with um, Adelaide's memory of what happened in the, uh, in the maze, the Hall of Mirrors or whatever it was. Uh, I don't know. It's really, yeah. really tough. You that know, it's really vague, right? Because what we don't fully know ever is how much she really remembers from that. Um, I, I feel like there's some realization along the way. I don't, I don't know if she fully knows what happens until the end. 
I, that, that was my opinion. Well, she doesn't know until she's about to kill Red and Red ends up whistling the itsy bitsy right. spider to exactly. her. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. She had some PTSD or whatever and just had blocked it out, which I mean, think about being that young. You do have a hard time remembering things clearly. So that does make sense, you know, um, and I think could be realistic. But it's just so interesting that, you know, that essentially Red becomes, you know, the Caesar of the, of the uh, tethered. It, it reminds me so much of Planet of the Apes just in terms of the experimented on and then sort of the uprising of the one who can speak. I love it. <laughs> uh, and, and it's interesting, too, because you say the one who can speak and yet uh... – she is the only one, uh, Red, that can speak. Right. Yes. And and, and, and she could barely – it's like – Like an 8-year-old or 10-year-old, yeah. Well, it's, it's yeah. barely coming out of her, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like forcing its way. <laughs> it's Don't. just like my cold. Except <laughs> I got, I'm not going to suck in because then I'll start coughing. Uh, <laughs> But uh, I think it's very, very interesting because, like, this movie's messing with my brain, right? Because knowing the twist at the end of the film, right, that Adelaide, who we've been following the entire time, is actually the one of the tethered. And she doesn't remember. And then she doesn't only remember. She remembers at the very end of the film. Right. I think one of the coolest visual uh, moments in the movie, probably my favorite sequence, maybe, of the whole of the whole thing is the scene where she is uh, trying to attack Red uh, using the uh, the fire poker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great a great sequence. It's it's cut, it's like intercut with- In the um, living room? When, that earlier scene when she's still- Oh, no, 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 no. Oh. This is towards, towards the end when it's intercut the with, the da- okay. with the two girls dancing. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. And one of the cool things that I noticed about that is how- uh, she's trying to like violently attack her, and it's happening really, really quickly with these like certain uh, sudden jerky movements where Red is very gracefully dodging. Mm-hmm. And this is intercut with the two of them as young girls dancing. And one of the dancers is very sudden and very fast and very violent in their attacks. And the other one is graceful and smooth and precise. And like that was something that I thought was absolutely brilliant in this movie. Like there's so many examples of that visual brilliance. Uh, there's certain shots, like you were just saying, Dean, about the shot where she presses her face against the glass and it starts to crack, and you could see Red's reflection also in the in the glass as well. I mean, Peel as a visual uh, storyteller in this really, in my opinion, ups his game considerably from what he gave us in Get Out. Yeah. He, he really tells his story visually, which is remarkable. And uh, the, the one image that I take away from this that I may not ever forget is that extreme close-up of Red. Yes! With, on the right-hand side of the frame with Adelaide in the back and mm-hmm. Red everywhere. And I, I, I am terrified in this yeah. moment. <laughs> she was really creepy. I have to say, I, I don't usually get the creeps very much. I feel, I feel like I have thick skin, but I, I did find her creepy, that version of her. Uh, what always creeps me out is, I, I think I think the, I think this is why It Follows creeps me out so much, is whenever uh, characters are just moving towards you, ex- expressionless yeah. and very ro- robotic-like, and yeah. the Michael tether Myers. do that in this too much, and it, it freaks the hell out of me. Uh, especially, uh, what's her name in this? Um, the uh, Z- Zora? Zora. Zora. Yeah, and her oh, doppelganger. Oh, yeah. 
with that creepy smile. And when she starts running, I was like, oh, oh, my God. (laughs) You can't outpace her. She probably can't tire. (laughs) Oh, my God. That was so, so frightening to me. Uh, But then, like, the scenes where Gabe is, like, fighting his doppelganger, I I always felt like every single scene that Gabe was involved in was played for laughs. And that's where a majority of the comedy was coming from. Mm -hmm. Uh, What did we think about the portrayal of uh, his character as, obviously he's the patriarch of the family, but he's kind of portrayed to be a bit of a dweeb, you know? I mean, and really Lupita Nyong'o's character is the one who's really given the the real strength and actually has common sense and better self-preservation skills to protect her family. I think it was really uh, very canny to... Uh, make uh, Gabe such a goofball story-wise in that once they get to the house and everything is fine and they're, they're settling in and just, it it just, uh, Gabe's goofiness just made it seem like they were a real family and we, we can exhale a little bit. It's like, okay, this will be okay for now. We know something awful is going to come, but his, uh, his Gabe is so appealing that it really makes you care about this family. Yeah. You really want them to, to get through whatever it is that's coming. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think uh, Duke's performance is key. Yeah, I, I think say- they need... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Sorry. go ahead. I, was, I think they needed to balance out some of the severity of Lupita's character because she was so obviously this needed to be this controlling mom for so many reasons. Right. And, um, and then that plays into sort of the ultimate, you know, um, ending of the film as well. So I think that, you know, his character being a little bit more of the, like, not a care in the world, kind of balancing out the family dynamic was really important for us to kind of buy that it was a normal existence and not a weird one. Huh? I don't know. I, I, I think I took, I, not that I took issue with the way that his character was portrayed in this film, um, I just thought maybe it was a little, like he. It does go a little too far. I like if that's what you're saying. Like I feel, yeah, like he, becomes, he becomes a joke of himself. So it kind of crosses over the line of being just enough and being too much. I think. I I was almost completely surprised that he survived. Actually, I I'm surprised the entire family survived. Actually. <laughs> I was waiting for either him to go because he was just portrayed to be so weak. I was waiting for one of the kids to go for just an emotional moment for Lupita Nyong'o from a reactionary standpoint, maybe. Uh, I, I was very surprised that they all made it. You know who didn't make it? Elizabeth Moss and uh, <laughs> Tim Heidecker's family. My God, that scene. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> that, was, uh, that, was a lot of, that was a lot of fun, especially with uh, Jordan Peele utilizing the music in that scene yes and and the jokes with uh alexa oh god yeah <laughs> especially that uh, police joke oh that was really funny call the police now playing <laughs> fuck the police <laughs> yeah, right oh the score of this movie is great though oh. i think that's one oh of the my god oh i think the score is my favorite aspect of the entire film and it gets better and better as the film goes on yeah you know it's really sad we'll talk about oscar uh chances in a little bit here but the first thing I thought of right away was, oh, man, like this has to get an original score nomination. And I have now come to the conclusion that it's probably going to be disqualified and not be able to contend, oh, unfortunately. Why is that? Uh, because it utilizes uh, I Got Five on it uh-huh. in the uh, in the score uh, later on in the film. Not not like the like not like, the you know, the song itself plays early on when they're driving. Musical. But there yeah, actually is musical moments from the song. The 
before. Um, yeah, gotcha. no, they did. Exactly. Okay, mm-hmm. I see. So uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But uh, yeah, the score is definitely a huge highlight. Sound is a really great highlight in this. Uh, I, I'm I'm a little mixed on the editing, actually. Like, I think individual moments work very well. Like that scene I was saying before about the uh, dancing. But something about the pacing of this movie, for some reason, it kind of lost me at times. And I felt a little bit disengaged from it, which was very unusual. I think maybe because the film is very patient. It is a bit of a slow burn. Um, and it takes its time in, in its storytelling. And that's well and good. But I do feel like once we got to the home invasion, mm-hmm. I kind of felt like the movie needed to then fire on all cylinders at that point. Uh, and maybe it is because the movie is almost two hours long. Uh, maybe if it was just a little bit shorter, maybe you know it could have had more momentum behind it. But so, like, for example, I'll give one of her example. You know that scene we were talking about before where she's approaching uh, Red from behind and you get that really cool shot you were talking about, Tom, with her face in the foreground and uh, uh, Adelaide in the background? Notice that, like, the editing for that scene, like, Red seems to be monologuing forever and Adelaide is tiptoeing towards her. It, it's like the slowest tiptoe I've ever seen <laughs> in my life, how long it takes her to walk across that room to get closer to her. Um, and, and it's like, I guess maybe like individual moments like that, where I just kind of just had this feeling of, all right, let's get on with it already. Let's go, let's go, let's go. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think tonally for me, uh, kind of around the same time you said, I think once they escape from their, once they escape from their tethered equivalents the first time and they go to Elizabeth Moss and Tim Heidecker's house, I feel like it starts to lose uh, steam at the wrong time, kind of to what you said, Matt. And it feels like it's a detour that doesn't really get back on track for a little bit, at least for me personally. And that does kind of exponentially slow the movie down. Hmm. I would agree with you. I actually looked at my watch at that very time you're talking about. Yeah. And I knew it was a two hour film. And I remember, and I totally had this thought process of like, wait, what are we doing for another hour here? So clearly we're not going to wrap up anything related to the themes right away. So that means we have, you know, maybe just filler. So my, so to your point, maybe there's a way that this could have been a 90 minute film and maybe been a little bit more effective. Maybe, You know, but it is interesting though, that uh, the marketing for this film is really kind of the first hour. And then the second hour, I didn't know where the story was going to take me. And that was exciting. That was definitely very exciting. Oh, very much so. Yeah. You know, so uh, as a storyteller, I think Jordan Peele uh, is definitely working on a more ambitious level than he did with Get Out. However, the movie is also not the populist entertainment kind of a film that Get Out was. Uh, there was definitely some level of audience interaction mm-hmm. when I saw Us, but not to the level that there was with Get Out. Like with Get Out, I felt like my audience was so invested in every single thing that was happening in that movie. But with us, I think I think the movie risks being a little too weird and it loses people. And I think with Get Out, everything's always building in the same direction. Mm. I think yeah. you're, you're yeah. narratively, you're always going the same way. And I think here, maybe we, we stray a little bit and kind of take little detours that, that might have to do with the lack of 
participation at times. Also, too, it, it might there's something to be said maybe also for the fact that in Get Out, there was a singular point of view that we were following, That's where true. with us, we're f- trying to follow uh, four different characters because they each have a doppelganger that is you know creating a conflict for them. So mm-hmm. there's four different journeys that we have to kind of spread our minds across. Uh, you know, what's... What is Jason doing with the with the pyro, uh, you know, kid, you know, with the burnt face? And we have large uh, portions of the movie where we're following one of the characters. We're not following this one. And next thing you know, we cut back to Winston Duke and he's now wrapped up in a body bag. When when did that happen? You know what I mean? (laughs) And there's like large chunks where we're not fully engaged moment to moment with what's going on. Or even the scene with the other family where they're not. The, the Wilson family's not even involved for a little bit. Uh, wait, which family? I'm sorry. With uh, Elizabeth Moss and Tim Heidecker's family, that scene goes on for a while. Oh, yeah, while. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And there was still some intrigue with that, too, because, uh, you know, I, if I'm being fair, I didn't, I didn't realize that this was going to be, you know, um, spread across the country. I was wondering at that point if it was something to do with that maze at the beach and if it was tied to the beach, right? And or people who were in, like involved in that sort of smaller subset. But um, so there was some interest there as it sort of widened its scope um, and 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 it ha- added to the storytelling because at that point I think it wasn't till an hour and fifteen that we even understood that. Yeah, because it because until that time it had been a very personal story about Adelaide and what happened to her, and the idea that this is happening all over the place, it it took me out of the movie for a second. I was just like, wait, how could this possibly have happened? And uh, you know, you get back into it, but uh, by expanding it and in, in sort of keeping it very narrow, it it is it did momentarily uh, make me feel like. He's making a larger statement, but I'm not sure it's as quite as good as the very narrow story that he was telling. Well, yeah, and, and I, like, once again, I think that that will range based on what you want to ultimately get out of the story. I know for myself, I like stories that demand rewatchability, uh, that have lots of levels of interpretation that can inspire great discussion. And I definitely think Us provides that maybe a little bit more than Get Out did. Um, maybe, yeah, definitely definitely a bit more, uh, for sure. Because with Get Out, once again, remember, Peel did give answers to a lot of the questions that people were asking about it, which kind of, I, I felt like, took away maybe a little bit of, of Get Out in that sense. Because every time I watched Get Out, it got better and better and better for me. Um, where with us... I feel like it's I, I don't know. Actually, I don't know if it's going to get better and better, but it probably will, you know, because there's it's just so dense and there's so much to unpack with it. Uh, and there's like little things, too, that I don't know if they're mistakes. I don't know if it's deliberate. I have no idea. Like, for example, this is so silly and so stupid, but like Adelaide's father in the beginning scene when they're at the uh, boardwalk and he's playing whack-a-mole. He's mm-hmm. so bad at whack-a-mole. Why is he so <laughs> awful at it? And I that was like something that was bothering me. Like I'm watching that. And I'm like, okay, is that just supposed to be like a joke? Or is there something to read into? And I'm like, ah, Jordan Peele, like what are you doing to me that you're making me overthink every single aspect of this movie? <laughs> well, also, if we're going to really get deep here, and we were talking about Winston Duke earlier, maybe Adelaide just married her father. That's yes. the thing. Let's be oh clear. my God. Wow. <laughs> there you wow, go. Wow, Deanne. 
Yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, I want to just pay uh, quick attention to Elizabeth Moss. Maybe has one of my favorite moments. Like if I was like to create like a top five like favorite moments from us, it's the moment where she laughs and no oh, sound yeah. comes out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then it kind of turns. It it starts as actually almost like a scream, but then yeah. turns into a laugh. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's really cool. That's crazy. And th- there's a lot of really great moments like that. I almost feel like we, we, we could probably do our entire review on, all right, top five moments from the movie, go. And <laughs> we'd be able to all have maybe a different top five potentially because this movie has so many singular moments in it, little tiny things. Like I love the scene, for example, with Jason and his doppelganger in the closet. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to do the uh, the trick for him, which, by the way, what the hell was the trick? I don't know. I know, know, right? And I'm just like, ah, Jordan Peele, damn you. (laughs) I feel like we were supposed to know what that was. I I mean, apparently it must be something that's in all of those like little box sets that you can get of like 10 greatest tricks, but I have never seen it before. Yeah, it may be that it it just had uh, been built up to the point where he can't do it, he can't do it, he can't do it, so he would do it at exactly the right time. But we still don't know. Is it the snap? Yeah. I think it's the snap, and then um, you have a flame. When you said snap, Dean, it's like he's trying to pull a Thanos. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think that's the idea. You know, it was like the snap, and then it looks like you have, like mm-hmm. you snapped a flame. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then obviously the fire comes into it a little bit later, too. Yeah. But um, okay, so. I know Jordan Peele is not talking a lot about what he intended here, um, but I'm like this weirdo, so just bear with me for a minute, who sometimes when I'm really interested in a film, I like to pretend or kind of imagine what I think maybe inspired this person to go down this direction. So just bear with me. But I feel a little bit like I can't, I have not been able to stop thinking about the television show This Is Us. And the reason is because This Is Us is hugely popular. I don't think it's a very good show, but it's hugely popular. And it's based in um, both white and and people of color with privilege living, you know, on, you know, kind of what you would call the less marginalized side of society and kind of their day to day and what they're dealing with. And so when I, I, there's just something to me about the this is us and us thing that I feel like I was picturing Jordan Peele watching an episode of this is us and going, this is fucked up. This is not us. Like, (laughs) so let's let's reevaluate this from my point of view okay none of that's true that's all from deanne's brain but anyway that's where i went now you know how weird i am damn deanne (laughs) i know i'm sorry it's weird it's weird i'm i'm sick that would be an interesting crossover uh it's a quote of mice and men can someone please tell me about the rabbits? (laughs) rabbits olivia coleman would be very jealous of all those rabbits I i know so I was trying to figure out if it was like just a you know easy metaphor for uh, we're going down the rabbit hole, you know what I mean, and mm-hmm. we're going to reveal something uh, that is otherworldly and hidden, you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I or or is there something deeper? I've I've actually heard I don't remember where I saw this. Maybe it was like on a Facebook ad or something, but I I saw Jordan Peele like giving an interview where he actually said that he is scared to death of rabbits. Yes, he's like there's look in their eyes, he's like they're sociopaths or something. Like <laughs> and 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 the credits are put the opening credits are put up against a bit, a, bit, a low uh, wall of rabbit cages. 
Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So some of that was the experimentation of creating the doubles and stuff, right? I don't know. Because she says... Go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. I was just going to say, I think at one point Red says that's what they eat down there, right? Rabbit? Oh, oh okay. Yep. I took so. it as, like a science ex- as part of the science experiment. Maybe, maybe both? I'm not sure. Interesting. It was funny to me how uh, deep the twinning went, not just to the obvious uh, twinning stuff, but uh, the Tylers have twin daughters and they have twin doppelgangers. And uh, even mm. Jeremiah 11.11 is kind of a twin. Oh. Interesting. I also was trying to look into 11.11 as uh, making a wish. That's what I thought it and was. And if that had any significant too, um, I wasn't... Although I couldn't quite draw any kind of connection with that, uh, yeah. but I was looking for it throughout to see if there was something there. I'm, not, I'm I don't know. Maybe maybe the whole movie is is Jordan Peele's wish for us waking up and realizing the truth. <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know another thing too. Uh, I also want to you know draw a bit of attention towards as well is how freaking great Lupita Nyong'o is in this. Yeah, playing the dual role. Her first lead role, also, which is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> she won the Oscar for 12 Years a Slave six years ago, and she has not had a leading role since. No, she's doing supporting roles in big blockbuster Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. So to see her in a lead role like this, um, well, I guess, well, could one argue in Qu- Queen of Cotway that was kind of a lead-esque role eh, whatever Partially, bottom line yeah. is that she's deserved better over the last couple of years and it's great to finally see her uh with this opportunity and she just completely crushes it mm. what an engaging empathetic and very difficult performance because once again she not only has to play the mother who's trying to save her family but she's also playing this 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 thing <laughs> Yeah, she's she's pretty horrifying as Red. That's that is that's some of the creepier scenes in the movie. And and, and I'd like to shout shout her out for her depiction of Adelaide. You know, she's presented as the controlling mother early on, and then as things begin to happen, she regresses into that little girl. Mm, that's true. Yeah, and like try and forcing to confront that trauma. Uh, that, was she, that she went through. Yeah. Uh, but it's very interesting because it all takes on another twist then when we realize what the ending of the film is. I, I, it, it's one of those things where I wanted, like I said, I wanted to watch it immediately again because it would recontextualize her entire performance then. Mm-hmm. And then I think we're kind of forced to then ask ourselves as we're re-watching the film, how much does she really remember? When does it finally click? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, th- I think it does finally click when she kills Red. I, I, I think. But who knows? Maybe there's other uh, hints within her performance earlier on. Yeah, it's hard to say. Because I know at one point, I thought this was odd in the moment a little bit, but with the kind of the, the recontextualization, when the tethered version of the daughter is in the tree. Yes. She's very sympathetic towards it. And it might just be because it resembles her own child. But then... Maybe she's, you know what I mean? Maybe there's a, there's a sort of empathy towards an, a fellow tethered person. 
I don't know. I, I yeah, want to see it again I, for that. Yeah. I think that's interesting because I wondered about that too. But I also wondered about it in the sense that obviously you see in Adelaide character, her love for her children, even though she's a tethered, right? She's still like mm-hmm. th- those moments where she is trying to protect her children are when the most you know strong emotion comes out of her. And I think Lupita captures those moments really well. And then you have this other character who's who's uh, the other version of her who's lived underground and also has children, who shows a level of protection for her children, but it's very different. She uses her children, you know, to like actually kind of accomplish their goal as a family. And then as it progresses, if you kind of realize that was the moment where Jason kind of flips on her because, well, there two things happen. When they're kind of they start bragging as a family about how many people each of them have killed, and yes. that's kind of like this weird moment, right? That might be the funniest moment <laughs> of the whole movie, maybe. But but that but I think it means something because then you have that moment where Jason kind of flips because he sees the side of his mom that isn't necessarily like the compassionate, connected side that he's used to seeing. Something changed for him. And that it's true. In, That's interesting. In how she yeah. was acting, um, and so uh, because I'm actually surprised motherhood wasn't a bigger theme because you have these two women who are both mothers in their own world, so to speak. But um, I still think it's there, kind of underlying, and I think that 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 helped speak to that a little bit. Wow. Wow. <laughs> we could go on and on. I mean, welcome to my weird brain. So much here. I just there's so much, up, but you know. Uh, okay, so what I want to do now is I do want to talk final thoughts on the film. So anything that we did not touch on, it could be something small, it could be something big, anything at all, an interpretation or a question that you have. Uh, Danila, let's start off with you. Anything that we did not cover for us? Um, I got lots of questions. I don't know how to ask them yet. I want to watch yeah. them. <laughs> um, I will say my favorite sequence that we didn't really touch on was uh, the flashback to that opening scene once we see what's going on underneath and they're reenacting it, yeah. like the tethered, very creepy. When they're in that room and they're like pretending to be on the roller coaster and then like... Oh, that yeah. Very That's a really good scene. You're right. Yeah. The unravelings yeah. or the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That might have been my favorite sequence in the movie. So I just wanted to, to throw that one out there as... That's amazing visual storytelling. It's very Twilight Zone-esque. It is. Yeah, he, he had said that there was a uh, episode of the Twilight Zone called Mirror Image that was his influence. Ooh, I can see that. That's a good episode. Oh, wasn't this is us, Tom? Oh, <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> Come on, <laughs> that probably makes a little more sense. Dan, I need you to like write up that this is us <laughs> connection like into a blog post or something because I I think people need to hear that. That is that's phenomenal. That's uh, all right, uh, Tom. What about you? I just wanted to shout out how good the uh, four principals are as their doppelgangers in terms of their physical movement. They all yeah. walked and moved differently than each other, and it's not the you know limping zombies that you might find in other movies. They took essences of their above equivalents and just change the physicalness just slightly, and they were all very distinctive. A uh, shout out to Nyong'o uh, Duke, uh, Wright Joseph, and, Will, and Alex. They were all really terrific as the, uh, Wilson, as the, uh, the family. Mm. Yeah, I, I, you, know, you know, the one thing I kept wondering uh, was, I was wondering if Evan Alex was 
playing Pluto when he was, uh, you know, running around on all fours and doing all of that physical stuff that you were talking about there, Tom, because uh, some of that stuff was pretty, I mean, I'm sure it was, uh, but it's a credit to the actors. Once again, like you said, Mm -hmm. uh, that they're able to pull off, pull all that off. Uh, Alrighty. And Deanne? Yeah, so one of my worst nightmares is when I look in the mirror and I go, who is that old lady in the mirror? Oh, wait, that's me. Um, no, okay, really bad joke. Um, I, I liked this movie a lot, um, and uh, obviously, and I think I'm going to continue to kind of ruminate on it. I, I, I think the smartest choices are the smaller ones that play into the bigger scenes. You know, Matt, you talked about the the ballet scene. To me, that was also my favorite part of the movie, although the one Danilo mentioned is a close second. So, yeah, those are obviously the two, I think, greatest moments. And I think it's so interesting, though, like the the magic tricks in this, because when I was watching the ballerina scene um, and, she, and Red had, was talking about how thank you for, you know, giving me this ability to dance because it's what made me be able to sort of rise up and have these people see me as a leader. And um, at the time you're still sort of thinking that these shadows are somehow connected to each other or that their movements are connected. At least I was, because I was, I was still thinking there must be some supernatural element at play here. Um, and I felt like the, the film was still trying to say that. Um, and so then in retrospect, like you were all saying, going back now and watching that scene and realizing that the reason that she was such a good dancer was because it was her and she's the one who had learned how to dance. It, you know, it obviously just um, takes on a whole new meaning. So I say I love that stuff. I think anytime a film is layered like that, I have to give it credit for um, being something different and new. Uh, yeah, it's definitely very unique and very original. And Deanne, I had a light bulb moment when you said magic trick. Um, and I started thinking of the rabbits again and, and how this is probably all just one big elaborate uh, magic trick by Jordan Peele that might be a little uh, meta self-awareness on his part. Uh, but it really is amazing how he's able to utilize a genre that doesn't get the respect that it deserves, but yet he's able to utilize it to talk about issues that mean a great deal to him and shouldn't mean a great deal to us. And if we're, you know, willing to give ourselves over to his um, abilities as a storyteller, uh, there's some really great magical moments that could come of that. And I do think that us is filled with a lot of them. Uh, for me, uh, I do not have any final thoughts. Uh, I think that I've exhausted, <laughs> for the time being at least, uh, everything I want to say about this film. Other than uh, it's definitely not going to be for everyone. It's going to be a little bit more divisive than Get Out was. Uh, people that were expecting more of the same. I do think that Peel, uh, it does give more of the same in the sense that his movies, both films that he's made so far, are very thematically layered. And there is a deeper message to both films that, you know, there was a lot of talk uh, about elevated horror and what exactly that means. And I do feel that there is a type of horror film that is manufactured just to make money at the box office with cheap jump scares. And there really isn't like an artistic expression or vision uh, within there. But with us, uh, Jordan Peele definitely has vision I mean, abundantly so, and really has established himself as a master. Like, Get Out was not a fluke. Uh, This is a guy that knows exactly what he's doing. And if he sticks within this genre throughout his entire career, that's totally fine with me if he keeps giving us stories like Get Out and like Us. Uh, it's, It's really amazing to watch 
a new and exciting filmmaker emerge the way that he has with such a strong singular voice. And with the Twilight Zone series that he has uh, starting up now in a few days time as well, that he's also, uh, you know, uh, producing and is, uh, you know, behind. I, I'm just a really, really big fan of the kind of stories that this guy is going to keep giving us. So I, I guess that's all a very long way for me to say. I really hope that he, he does not do a big budget blockbuster film and get sucked into the money making machine that Hollywood has become. And he keeps his voice. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All righty. With that said, Danilo, grade. Grade out of 10. <clears throat> I'm going to go with an eight out of 10. Um, I think it's a B for me. I think there's so much to pull apart, and I think it's the 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 ambitions that he kind of puts on display here are amazing. And obviously, we could keep talking about this movie. So, you know, that any movie that does that is it's doing its job for the most part. I would say the only thing that keeps it from maybe scoring a little higher is some of the pacing in the middle. Like I said, um, I think it loses me a little, but it really picks up steam again towards the end. So, that's my score. I'm gonna go with that. All righty. Tom? I think that uh, someone uh, listening to this might think we're going to give it all 10s because of the depth of the discussion of all of the issues that are going on. But there are practical things, and Danilo is absolutely right. The film does sag at times. Uh, There are scenes that are just too long, and uh, particularly when we diverge into the four different stories of the uh, doppelgangers going after uh, the Wilson family. It's, it's it's a stop and start kind of thing. So I got frustrated at times, but nonetheless, it just rallied at the end. And um, I would also give it an eight. Deanne? I am right there with you guys. I, I know that it sounds like I've been glowing a lot, but Tom, I think you made a great point. We didn't spend a lot of time with some of the nitpicky things, but I'm in agreement with what both of you guys just said in terms of a few things that threw me off. I'm, I did have some derailed interest in the film in the middle, which is not a good sign. So there were a few things that were concerning, but um, overall, I feel like it starts and ends very strong. I feel like there's a lot going on here. I also feel like somebody could go into this movie and not care about any of the stuff we just talked about just want to see a good scary movie and they would get their money's worth even if they don't want to unpack anything else that's going on in the movie and i think that i I, i'm not now i'm not saying that's a good thing right i would hope everyone would unpack it but i think that is just a credit to the filmmaking that it has that ability um and so eight out of ten for me yeah i I, i'm very curious to see if my grade changes on a rewatch uh like it did with get out uh two years ago because when i first saw get out the first time i think i gave it a seven second time i gave it an eight and the third time i bumped it all the way up to a nine at that point because i just kept on realizing the brilliance and how well constructed that film really, really was. And with us, this time around, I I definitely feel like my reservations with the film are, uh, you know, definitely like to what everything that you guys said, I think I share those same uh, reservations in in that regard and those same criticisms. So yeah, across the line, I'm going eight out of 10 as well. You know, Another horror film, just you know, for people to get maybe a little bit more perspective here. Uh, last year, I gave Hereditary a nine out of ten. Um, I I still stand by that. Hereditary for me was a very emotional experience, and something that really really scared me on a very deep level. I don't think Us is actually, in my opinion, like a very effective like quote unquote scary movie. 
I do think that there are moments that are genuinely very creepy, and it uh, definitely utilizes its uh, genre very, very well to tell its story. But this is definitely more, uh, you know, more Twilight Zone-esque than anything, you know, than uh, something that would be, I would say, straight on, full-blown, holy hell, that was damn terrifying. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe, the, maybe the ultimate horror from us isn't so much on the visceral level that we're supposed to get from the jump scares and from, uh, you know, the the moments of genuine creepiness, but maybe it's more so the introspection, uh, the inner uh, looking at ourselves and maybe what we're supposed to unravel from that deeper truth. Maybe that's what's meant to scare us more than anything. So I give credit to Peel. I give a lot of credit to Peel. He got my brain working and I love when that happens at the movie theater. So, this is definitely, uh, I would say, also probably, I think, yeah, yeah, probably also the best movie I think I've seen in 2019 so far, at least. So, there is that. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you you didn't have any nines or tens out of Sundance, Matt? Oh well, I'm, I'm not counting those yet because they haven't all oh. they haven't released yet. So. Okay, I was gonna say I swear you had a few. Then. No, I did, I okay. did, I did. Okay, but good. like I said, uh, in terms of just theatrical release, I'm That's going by right enough. now. Okay, so. I had I had to check in. Okay, it's all good. Yeah. Uh, now, with that said, let's talk about us as Oscar prospects because this is definitely a hot button topic right now. Uh, after Get Out managed to get Best Picture, Best Director, a screenplay win for uh, Jordan Peele, Best Actor. So, is there anything there, guys? I'm skeptical. Me too. I have too, but I'm like also don't want to be skeptical because Get Out totally exceeded expectations. It's that's that's what's so hard after one viewing. Um, I had a lot of people point out to me. Didn't you predict that Get Out was not going to come anywhere near the Oscars that year? And I'm like, <laughs> yes, yes, like. I, I did. That's it was okay prediction. It was a valid prediction. At the time. It was a February <laughs> horror release from a debut director, <laughs> exactly. of course. Okay, so <laughs> like, we have peel factor. So how much is that going to influence this being, you know, on the short list for people to look at, whether it be in the acting, writing categories? Maybe. Um, um, maybe. I, you know, it's I, interesting because, like, on one hand. I look at Lupita Nyong'o and I say to myself, all right, she's the film's probably like the best chance. Mm-hmm. But then I look at Tony Collette last year in Hereditary and I go, well, if she couldn't get nominated and she got yeah. pretty close, all things considered, how the hell is Lupita going to get nominated for this? It's true. I, and, and I, I kind of get a vi- Oscar vibe of A Quiet Place. Maybe one sound nomination. You know what? Actually, yeah. And that's where I kind of land is if the, if the score is going to get disqualified – then the really the only things that are left then are sound editing and sound mixing potentially. And in that instance, yeah, Tom, I'm with you on that. That's probably the best place for it to land because even though, like we were saying before, like the film editing is really, really well done in this, um, at times the overall uh, pacing of the film, which is something that all four of us each take issue with, I'm sure there are others that will take issue with that as well, mm-hmm. and that will block that from happening. Then you have the screenplay. But it's not Get Out. Right, which some people will label as absolutely brilliant and more uh, interesting than maybe Get Out was because of all the layers and uh, symbolism and hidden meanings within it. But then you also have a lot of people that are going to look at that and try to write it off like it's not a clear, concise, original vision and it's too scattered. And like, so you're going to have skeptics that are also going to, you know, write it off too because 
let's let's be honest here. You know, part of the reason why Get Out I think did so well with the Academy. Uh, is precisely because there was kind of a direction that that film started to take in its campaign where they tried to basically tell the Academy voters, oh, it's not really a horror film. You know, there's a lot more going on with it. It's not just a, it's not just a horror film. Mm-hmm. Where with this, the message is, no, this is a horror film. Yeah. So, yeah, and, and that's really ridiculous that horror does not get taken seriously because this is a film that makes a case as to why uh, this level of artistry should be taken seriously. But alas, it, you know, it is what it is. Unapologetically. I want it to happen. I think it would be so cool for it to happen. I said that last year about Hereditary, though. I'd like, I like, oh, it'd be so cool if Tony Collette could get that nomination. Mm-hmm. It would be so cool if, you know, I mean, listen, I. I would not have been the biggest fan of A Quiet Place getting a Best Picture nomination. Uh, but had it gotten in, though, you know, after Get Out had gotten in the year prior, I would then look at that as maybe the Academy is starting to take horror very seriously now. You know, but it didn't happen. And Get Out, like I said, was downplayed as a horror film. So it, it like it counts. But at the same time, look at what they had to do in order to make it happen in its campaign. Right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. So it's very clear that the Academy does not respect the horror genre, and that's really, really sad. And that's just a reality. I don't care if Lupita Nyong'o has won before, if Jordan Peele has won before. It's It's got that label. And as of March 23rd, 2019, I am predicting that this will not get a single Oscar nomination. Today. I, yeah, listen, sure. we all know how things can change. <laughs> you know, well, it is early. Disqualified, you were saying. I do think the yeah. score will be disqualified. But if there was a single element from this movie that I would give a finger for, uh, it would be that score getting nominated. Mm. I'm not going to give an arm or a leg, but I would, I would give a finger for it. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Any anyone else? Any comments on the uh, Oscar prospects or? Mm, no, I think like I think the best chance. Uh, I think like Tom said, maybe sound, but at, at the same time, nothing really jumps out to me as like, oh, for sure, this is going to be a contender come Oscar season. So yeah, not really. I think it's the right call. I really do. Now we'll see. We could be eating our words, and Hopefully. then I'll have to come back and listen to this weird podcast where <laughs> I had a cold, and I made bad jokes, and I made weird uh, – I've been taking too much cold medicine. I don't know. So <laughs> we're going to blame it on that if it happens, Matt. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> blame it on the cold. Yeah. All righty. Well, with that said, Danilo, where can they find you on the internet? Uh, they can find me on Twitter at Danilo S. Castro. Tom? And you can find me on the on Twitter at Thomas E. O'Brien. And Deanne. At TweedledeeDee33. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to our review of us here on the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, Acast, CastBox, and on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate a comment that you can leave us. Uh, Five-star rating is preferred. We really, really much appreciate that. It helps for people to discover us. And if you are feeling generous, head on over to Patreon, where for $1 minimum a month, you can get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you once again for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time. Next time.